Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On today's show, we're going to be going through all your talking points from last weekend, all pretty much focused on Cavan and Tyrone in the Ulster Senior Football Championship. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Fitzpatrick, sports editor of the Anglo-Celt. Um, Wednesday now, Paul, has the disappointment of the weekend sank in? Yeah, it has, Damien, but it's it's just a really flat feeling, isn't it? It's just like an emptiness. It's just like, oh, that's it. It's over now for county football is over. We have a minor to look forward to, thank God, but you know, county football is over. And I know you're you're probably feeling it more than anyone after all the time you put in with the twenties, but that's over and the seniors is over and we're just kind of looking at you know, I actually contacted Liam McCabe, the county secretary yesterday, to see was there any plans to bring forward the club championship. Because I've heard a lot of grumbling about it. Mm. But he said, no, there's been no representations made. I think the only club he said that that made representations or uh, voiced the disapproval was Castle Rahan about the club championship not being played until September. Um, and he said there's been no other representations made by clubs or anything, anything else. So that maybe I'm detecting that the, I'm reading too much into it. A couple of people that have, have been grumbling to me about it. But... Uh, yeah, and it's, it's something we have to, we, we definitely have to look into now. I haven't had a focus in any way on, on, on what the club scene looks like, but there is league games through July and August, is there not? Yeah, so there's three rounds of the All County Football League played, and there's four to be played before Championship, but uh, there's no relegation, and it is shadow boxing. It really yeah. is shadow boxing. Like when you have no relegation, you really have, it's, it's, it's a lower, um, value to it than even the ordinary all county football league so uh, I, you know uh, what I'd be afraid of is that it'd get to September and maybe things would be open or closing down a bit or something or maybe you'd have more uh, not going to happen we're, 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 we're not coming back to that level ever again we're not closing down we're opening up everything see I actually hope, I hope so see Connacht took the decision last night to while well, I was at the a game over in uh over in Tume last night, uh, the announcement came through that Connacht are hosting the Connacht Senior Football Final in Crow Park. Because if they were to hold it in McHale Park, there was only 3,000 allowed. But if they take it to Crow Park, they're allowed 18,000 spectators. Oh, so, right. Um, I, I, I think I, I immediately I thought to myself, well, depending on restrictions in, in the six counties or what way things are there, I don't see the Ulster final being played in Clonus anyway. It's either Crow Park or maybe in the athletic grounds if it can hold as much as Crow Park would be allowed to hold or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a good move by Connacht. Fair play to them. And you know what? It would stand to their champions as well. You'd imagine having the extra game. Like Dublin Completely. are looking vulnerable. I still expect Dublin to come through against Mead. But it's interesting that the handicap is 12 points, which is the lowest handicap we've seen uh, with Dublin in a Leinster game in a good while and yet they're still 50-1 to one on to beat me but the handicap is 12 points and I do think 
this weekend we're going to see me put their best foot forward. Like they've, they've sort of capitulated too easily in the past. Last year in particular, if you remember, Mickey Brennan was mm-hmm. very sweet on Mead and it wrecked a lot of a lot of accumulators because a lot of people had uh, Mead, Cavan and Tipperary. You know, a lot of people got the Cavan tip double, but Mead ruined me. Uh, I had the treble on that one, but I, I think that they will. Like, there is definitely a sense of vulnerability about Dublin. They've lost 80 All-Ireland medals uh, out of their panel, which is a great start. Eric Lowndes is the latest now to, to step away. Yeah. So it's mad. It's mad. It really is mad. So, you know, could May- Mayo or Galway topple the dubs in an All-Ireland semi-final? If Dublin get through, they want to disregard me that easily. And there's a length of final still to come as well. But Dublin are still hot favourites. But, you know, the game at Crow Park could have, could have either Galway or Mayo. Completely agree. And and I still think you take it back to that Mead game last week, last year, Mead Dublin. If you remember very early on, uh, Eamon Wallace, I think it was, broke through. Cluxton came off his line really quick to, to smother out the chance. It was a goal chance. And had he played it across the goal, there was there was a, an easy palm into the back of the net. But take Cluxton out of that situation, Mead bang in a goal, and all of a sudden there's there's a, a different feel to that game. Mead, Mead have made no secrets. They, they, I've heard Andy McEntee on the We Are Mead podcast talking that you know, Mead need goals and the team that beats Dublin is going to get goals. So that goal goes in, all of a sudden their confidence is up. We've got a goal against the Dubs. Now we can, we can really get at them. You know, it, it, right, Dublin Steel might have won the game, but it makes a completely different um, kind of complex around how Dublin won that game. But I think this year you take out everything that Dublin are missing and are gone. I, I don't see this Dublin team as a strong. And, and I think this goes back to your argument. It was a golden generation that mm-hmm. rather than Dublin being the superpower that will never be caught. I, I, I think by the end of this year, we're going to have seen... Now, again, I, there'll be huge egg in my face if I'm wrong here, but it, we're going to have seen Dublin being beaten and that how important the likes of Cluxton, um, Jack McCaffrey... Ma, um, you know, different lads in, throughout the team that have that have kind of gone oh, even. Yeah, in around the dressing room, you'd imagine McCauley and yeah, uh, all those all those lads. Paul Mannion, like you think Mannion, Mannion had three All Stars in succession. I think coming into this this year, so yeah, like, it's it's definitely opening things up a bit. And it look even if the Dubs have players nearly as good to come in, and they might have players that have that could tick all the boxes in terms of skill and in terms of. Uh, their physical attributes, but the perception is so important. You're right. The, the perceptions out there now that the dubs can be got at, and the perception before now was the dubs are absolutely unbeatable, and that had a massive impact on the likes of Mead because it made no sense that a team like Mead, who were a good team and and had done well in the league and and had like even last year they played well against Dublin in, in the league in Parnell Park and were right in that game, going in the championship and they were just collapsing. There were it was a total underperformance by teams particularly in Leinster so if, if the if that whole sort of mood music around the dubs changes you know it's I, I always feel that that there's that sense that everyone's sort of moving inevitably towards this this thing and it seeps into teams it seeps into supporters it seeps into referees and if that whole narrative can change just a little bit it, it wouldn't take that much uh, uh, to to alter things like Dublin have 
being pushed all the way and in, particularly in finals at times mm-hmm. by teams who don't roll. It's going to take a team who go in there and just don't roll over and play dead at the first sign of Dublin getting an early goal or something. That's what has happened too often and that's what it's going to take to, to beat the Dubs because the likes of Mayo, this Mayo team don't do that and they can push Dublin all the way and Kerry just have that deep-seated Kerry thing about them and they don't do it either and they're the two teams that's been able to push Dublin all the way. Mm-hmm. The only thing I think Mayo don't don't uh, I don't think they push Dublin when they're missing Killian O'Connor I, mm. I, I just don't see them having the quality to replace Killian O'Connor in the forward line now time will tell but I think he's too big of a loss for them in fact I think Galway wins that that Connacht final personally yeah that's a, that's a big shout uh, and it could well happen but and I think Lee Keegan's carried an injury as well Mm-hmm. I saw a little bit during the, the Mayo and, and Leitrim game that they were saying I think he's got a shoulder injury or whatever so yeah it could well happen but do you know the most sickening thing of all really sickening thing would be if this Mayo team was to beat Dublin and be the first team to beat Dublin in, in seven years second team to beat Dublin since what 2012 and uh, if they were to beat the greatest team of all time and then lose the All-Ireland final uh, that's oh no that, you're just it, cruel how does like that thought not, even come into your head well, they play into they play into Leinster. Yeah. I give them a great chance against the Dubs as they always have. And if they got over the line, then imagine what the pressure would be then. I don't. I may go into the final and the issues they have already mentally with finals. And you're coming up against a Kerry team with Clifford and Gini and uh, O'Brien, and Sean O'Shea. They just scared the life out of a defence. You could like, see Kerry doing a job on them in the final. On another huge moment, what the hell was Harry Kane doing? You know, before that, that that European Cup final, like, uh, why why would you put on a Mayo jersey or carry? Like, it, it's just crazy. Does he not know history? You know, yeah. I just I wonder. I wonder. What, I wonder was that an old photo? Uh, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was fair play to whoever dug it up before the final. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Come here, moving on to uh, the talking points in just a minute, but to, to let listeners know what we have over on the Die Hard service this week. Earlier on, we looked back on Cavan against Tyrone and heard from the Cavan manager, Mickey Graham, um, myself and Paul's opinions on the Cavan-Tyrone game. Um, later on, we'll be looking ahead to the All-County Football League action this coming weekend as it resumes with round four. Um, we'll also be looking back on the Cavan on the 20s game um, against Down and we'll be looking both back and forward with Aideen Coyle as the Cavan ladies were beaten by Mayo but in a in a good enough display and look ahead to Armagh this coming weekend in Clonus on Saturday afternoon and also the club championship draw in the ladies um, was completed last Thursday so we'll be going through that Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Into the talking points, Paul. Yeah, there was quite a few talking points came in. And in general, the... They were quite negative, I suppose. 
Uh, some of them were quite realistic and some of them maybe slightly optimistic, but the general tone was, it was bleak, it was pretty depressed and, and it was kind of like, how do we get here? And, uh, you know, I think that tone was reflected across the county so that the talking points are sort of reflective of that. The it's actually the- interesting, sorry, before we go to yeah. that, I was listening to Paddy Talley on a podcast um, yesterday evening on the GA Social, a really good podcast with Thomas Niblock and, and Ushin McConville. But Paddy Talley was talking about um, inter-county management and, and, you know, suffering defeat and stuff like that. And he was saying, you know, it seems like the entire world collapses around you after a defeat. And then in sport, things kind of move off very, very quickly. But they go from an extreme of either extreme highs were the greatest team in the world or extreme lows were the worst team ever, depending on the result. And then in time, whether it be weeks or months or a year, it all then kind of comes back around to that we're very reactive and very impulsive in our reaction to a result and take it kind of to the extreme on either side. I thought it was quite an interesting interesting concept or an interesting, well, actually I think it's a reality. We are all like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's immediate and it's, and it's severe. And then in time we start to realize that, okay, well maybe it wasn't just exactly as we seen it. Yeah. Look, every, every football match is, is a random event with thousands of variables and different things can happen. Things can go right or things can go wrong, but everything has to be put in context. I suppose maybe the context is probably what's, making things worse for Calvin fans. But it's funny, Damien, and just thinking about you uh, as a manager being involved with teams, and I know I know any manager who loses a match is going to be pissed off for a while. But I, re- I remember someone making the point to me after we got married, and not me and you, but me and, <laughs> and uh, you're going on... Not publicly. <laughs> you're going on honeymoon. And let's say you're going on honeymoon for three weeks. When you come back you're still in wedding mode because you've had the whole build up for months and months to, to the wedding and you're in, super excited, obviously, and all the, the trappings that go with it. And straight away after the wedding, you've got a day or two to more celebrations and relaxing and then you're off on your honeymoon. And when you come back, you're, you know, you haven't been at work in a month and you're, in, you're very much in, in wedding mode. But everyone else has moved on. Yeah. And you don't realise that because you've been away for two or three weeks and they're all moving on with their lives. And when you come back, you're still like, it's still like the day after the wedding to you. And yeah. I'd imagine for a football manager, <laughs> like, you know, you're probably still in under 20 mode and yeah. still still thinking about the under 20s. Whereas the nature of the beast is that there's another game for everyone else who's not intimately involved in a particular team. There's another game this weekend. And I know it's not involved in Calvin, but like, you know, you've monitored our man, you've got uh, various other matches, Dublin and Mead and, and so on this weekend. Donegal, I think, are out this weekend against their own as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's like coming back. That's, from your, from your that's a great analogy. That's yeah, everyone, everyone else has moved on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still. Uh, I don't know if the honeymoon is the right word, but I'm still in the honeymoon period. That that the entire world. I think every conversation I've had with you this week started off with, with about you know what are people saying about the twenties? What what you know? And, <laughs> and the reality is probably nobody else is really talking about it, bar me and 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 everybody I speak to because I'm bringing it up and I'm. Yeah. What went wrong? Why, why, you know? So, yeah, that's a really good analogy, actually. I'll, I'll try to remember that as I, as I drive the roads heading to under twenty games over the next three days. Uh, right. The t- first talking point that came in, Damien says, "We need to develop forwards. Rebuilding process starts now." Do you, do you know what? And and 
it's a funny thing because that is a conversation that is is regularly happening and the the process has to begin and and or or sorry the plan has to start how are we going to develop forwards because the reality is we we, we don't we haven't got that marquee or those marquee forwards and um we we need to we really need to focus on the development of them so it's something something has to change there and i i think that's a really valid point um it's not going to change just by willing it to change there has to be a plan there has to be a process yeah i think that's right and like there's no point beating about the bush the forwards were a letdown the last day to an extent to an extent i don't think they were an absolute catastrophe um i thought there was flashes there um of promise like I thought Connor Smith came on and did well. Oshin Brady, I thought, we talked about him the last day. Like, I, I thought he showed enough to suggest that, that he's definitely one for the future. Mm. Um, I thought Oshin Pearson started the game very well and he faded as the game went on. But he still did it. I still think he belongs at that level. Mm. Honestly, do. Um, yeah. Connor Madden was, wasn't 100% fit, but he didn't make the impact that we would have hoped for. Do you know the interesting thing is, and I, I, I was having this conversation with actually one of the with the under twenty players over the last few days, and and we were we were discussing the, the 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 process of becoming a good forward, and he was he was saying to me that you know well the confidence drops if you miss a shot or if you miss a second shot, confidence immediately drops and therefore you you don't take a third shot, and what I was saying to him was then what we need to do as as coaches is encourage you to take that third shot encourage you to take the fourth shot and continue shooting because the only way through underage that we're going to get good forwards is lads who see an opportunity take the the gumption and the guts take the opportunity and hope that it goes over the bar and if it doesn't then the next day you go out, you practice that exact same shot again and you repeat it until it until you get the right result. You make small tweaks to it, but you've got to keep shooting in order to score. And I think all too often we see lads, you know, Oshin Brady was, was a prime example, I think, against Tyrone. There was one or two opportunities that I thought he has the chance to take on a shot here and he didn't take it on. Um, we need to be getting lads like that and letting them have a shot, letting them have 10 shots. And if they all go wide, so be it. And that's, that's where I think the underage and, and the planning and the development of it is important, that maybe if they're given that freedom at underage to take on those shots to, to okay, you, you hit the wides, you hit the wides, so be it, but keep on shooting. Um, by, that, by getting that process right, we may develop the forwards that will score more often than they'll miss. Like, one example that, that's always been thrown to me in Monaghan is Conor McManus, his his actual overseas and his conversion rate is probably something around 40 to 50%, but he's never, ever told not to shoot mm. because they know in the clutch moments that he'll have enough shots taken that he'll score the crucial ones, mm. you know? Yeah, that's it. And you have to remember Conor McManus started as a wing back uh, on, on Monaghan underage sides. Like, um, yeah. So, like, I do think that forwards, a lot of forwards, like the great forwards, they might necessarily be a product of a system. I think it takes an awful lot of individual effort 
for a forward. And I'm thinking back, like, you take Shawnee Johnston um, as as one of those free-scoring forwards that, that Cavan have had, that, that like a, an elite point scorer, like great yeah. ball striker. Uh, um, I've heard, heard so many stories about the hours and hours and hours that he put in. Um, now, th- there's something in Cavan Gales where they have a habit of producing these the, the scoring inside scoring forwards, but he elevated from there. Charlie Gallagher was probably the, the last one that was just a, like a, a scoring machine type forward for that Cavan had. Now we had obviously you would have Jason Riley, um, who was an unbelievable goal scorer, Derek McDonald in the in the eighties, there's a gap. Um Gene Cusick mm. was definitely that but his career was what Gene's career was uh kind of interrupted because he spent a lot of time in America and he was coming home but he was definitely he had the potential if you speak to any of the players from the 60s they'll say Gene was as good a forward as ever played for Cavan or as good a forward as played the game uh, mm. he was an absolutely incredible player but a lot of, like you take Charlie Gallagher for example he wasn't a product of club football in Cavan really like he, he, he basically went to St. Pat's and uh, just was a fella that had a natural swagger and had a natural gift and just really, really worked on it. And I think that's the way with a lot of forwards. I, th- I, I think I think that there's a there's a common trend though in an awful lot of those situations. Like Charlie Gallagher had an older brother who was playing for Cavan. Yeah. And so he'd have grown up kicking ball with a, a good quality footballer. And therefore being the younger brother who chased after the bigger brother trying to get better it probably accelerated his development. John Joe Riley was was in the same boat. Um, mm. you know, there's there's a there's an awful lot of traits like that that I, I personally believe and, and I've spoken about this with with a lot of really good footballers. It's it's the hours put in are the difference. And in reality, it's the hours put in probably from the age of 10 to 16 or 17 that actually really make the difference or maybe even before 10, Mm. but they're the hours that actually really make the difference because if you do it early enough and young enough, you get to be ahead of the players at your age group. Then when you're ahead of those players, you're gaining confidence and you're getting better and you're enjoying being the player who scores more. So you continue to practice and you continue to hone in your skills at that early age group. And I think that that's something we need to, maybe look at and start to identify that okay can we can we look at 8 9 10 11 12 year olds and start to say there's somebody to work with let's get Shawnee Johnston to grab five of these 10 of these 15 of these kids and once a week or once a month come into Kingspan Breffney and 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 go through what he used to do yeah. and, and 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 you know and I the thing I will say you were saying about Calvin Gales and, and they seem to have the knack for doing it. I don't know they had the knack before Shawnee Johnston of doing it. Just thinking back, like they would have had Lightning Murray back in the 60s. Um, well, was he that style of player? He, like he, his, his speed, now and again, obviously I've never seen Lightning Murray play, but his speed, he, he used to be very direct, torn, torn fast and, and, and mm. get square on to goal and, and, yeah, he was small. He was small, like um, as far as I know. Yeah, he probably wasn't one of these lads that's going to score ten points in the county match. No, but yeah, I, I do think there's something in it. Uh, like, it's not just in Cavan. Going back, they can carry the used to always say traditionally that the the uh, 
the country boys were the backs and the townies were the forwards. They used mm. to say, they used to say, get a college boy for the freeze. So yeah. that was that was the way Kerry did it. And they had a lot of West Kerry men, fishermen and farmers and tough nuts playing in the backs. And then they'd always have you know, the Killarney boys and the Tralee boys who playing up front. And, and you can see that there with, with even with Clifford, he's Fossa, which is which is close to the big towns. And mm. Mikey Sheehy was from Tralee. Donahue, I, I think Gooch. Yeah, yeah, they were all from the big towns. Like mm. so, there's something in that as well. I I think that uh, it's a towny thing that you're meeting a lot of people. I I have this theory, right? We're going off topic here. I have I have this theory that football. So right, let's say you're involved in Mullahorn, and back in the day, if you were in Mullahorn, uh, the, most people in Mullahorn were involved in farming. So this is back in the twenties and thirties. And if you're a farmer, there's certain traits that you're going to need to have, especially if you're a farmer back then. Like you're going to need to be a hard worker and you're going to need to be brave because you're going out into a shed with rats in it or whatever it is in the middle of the night. And you're going to need to be one of these type of individuals and you're going to have to, you have to be physically very strong. And these are a lot of the characteristics that are, that are uh, prized characteristics in a defender, especially back then. I know the game has changed, but, you know, toughness, physical toughness, bravery, and, you know, not maybe not getting the limelight. Whereas if you're if you're a townie, and I don't say that in a derogatory way, but it, 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 if you're a person that grew up in I the town, I, I don't take it as. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, but if you're a person that grew up in the town, maybe, and it's different. You're you're not working on a farm for a start. Uh, if you come outside your front door, you might have a few of your buddies living on the same street as you, or living now these days in the same estate as you, and you're someone to kick ball with. You're not out of home, and you're helping on the farm, or whatever. You magnify that for generations and generations, and there's a different there's a different way of playing the game and a different type of personality to the players in those mm. clubs. I definitely think there's something in that, and I definitely think there's something in the county level as well. Um, I think I think you're rightly. Like, I I know this, and I'm 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 the worst example of this. But every evening, absolutely every evening for for hours, all I did was go out on the street and kick ball with friends. Hmm. Because there you, there you go. and, and it was go. very very easy to do. It was literally thirty seconds knocking a door. You're coming over for a game of football, and within ten minutes of every evening, you had enough people around to play a game of football. And you know, generally, it was played against the wall somewhere. And when you play a game against the wall, the ball comes back into play automatically. So you're playing far more time with ball in hand. And I think that that's that's a, a very simple thing, and and it can even come down to as simple a thing as, oh shit, we're after kicking the ball into the river, right? Let's go up to the shop and buy another one, mm. and and the game's back on in ten minutes <laughs> time. You know, yeah. you're you're out in the country and and you your ball busts back in the day anyway. There wasn't another ball. You could wait two or three days to get another. Oh, ball. Oh yeah, yeah, completely. That's not that long ago. Like, yeah, like back it, when you were a kid. Well, when I was a kid, like we. We were three miles from the nearest village, so if we wanted, oh, my cousins live next door, so we we have enough for maybe like a two aside game. But you weren't getting a, a five aside uh, unless you got the, into Red Hills. And back then, like there was only one car at a, at a house usually or whatever, and you weren't you weren't being brought around uh, the way young youngsters are now. Like you weren't chauffeured everywhere. You were you were told you were lucky to get a lift to train and like whatever it was. So it's just, it's just welcome, welcome to the, we are old folks cabin podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we went badly off topic. We there. did. That's, we that's did. my fault. Let's go uh, back. We're going to run through the rest of them a bit quicker than that one. Uh, we stuck with them for 20 minutes. 
but then made look very ordinary. Is this the worst ever year for us? I think I, it's hard to argue with anything he said there. In 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 a nutshell, it is. Yeah, of course it is. It's it, it's it's an absolutely terrible year. Um, you know, going to Division Four and and being beaten by being beaten by Tyrone, I suppose, isn't a huge surprise. But just being beaten as Ulster champions by Tyrone is the, is the and being beaten comfortably is the disappointment. Um, you know, but look at it's the worst year ever. The, the important thing to take from it is that it can't get worse. Yeah, that's true, and it's 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 funny to say that, but it's actually true. Yeah, and things are going to pick up next year without a doubt. Um, please go well have the well. You uh, won't you won't have the same injury concerns. Um, no. you know you're going you're going to have an awful lot more players available, and and as much as Mickey tried to play it down, and he had to play it down in the week building up to the game. I know we've we've we've. Now, almost everybody, James Smith's 50 50. James Smith was never playing, there was never a chance of it. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of players on the bench who weren't actually available, you know, they, they, they were they were too injured to play. So, we were we were dealt a very difficult hand. The season didn't suit. Look, at it's it's I think the important thing is that the learning has to be taken from it and the improvements have to be made for next year, yeah. Uh... Not enough composure in front of the posts. Lack that root, ruthlessness, in my opinion. Sorry, lack that ruthlessness. In my opinion, Mickey should be kept. I I couldn't agree with them three points more. Absolutely not. Not enough composure in front of the posts is is a hundred percent accurate. But it also comes down to the ruthlessness, as in being so ruthless that you're going to take on every opportunity and and look at not rehashing the same issues, but. That's that's something we've got to get to. That half chances are taken, um, and then with Mickey Graham, I, I I genuinely believe changing him now would be would be a massive mistake. I think that where Mickey Graham was was always very very good, particularly around Cavan when he was club manager, and then he went to Longford and he done his stints in Monilnyakta after he was with was it who was he with before Clangish was it or. Somebody before that as well. So he done. He learned his trade. He 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 built up his time looking at the opposition players and 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 finding out bits more about them. And then in Mullinyakta, it all pulled together that he knew his team, he knew the opponents, and he knew how to win. And I think Mickey's building up a bank of experience here that if if he's given the time, he will figure out how to win more games than he loses, and that will include league in time. Because I, I, I think that's while he does put the emphasis on championship, he's realizing, and I actually wholeheartedly expect that come next year or or definitely Congress at the end of this year, what's going to happen is is we're going to see the Ulster Championship go to the start of the year, the league run into championship and having an effect on the All Ireland series and the All Ireland series being completely um, separate from Ulster from provincial championships. So. It, it it will change the way everything is approached, but yeah, yeah definitely keep Mickey. Yeah, I, I agree. He has he has to be kept. Um, he's the best man for the job at the moment. I think so. I think he definitely has to be kept. And Liam McCabe made that point to me. The county board are fully supportive of him. Um, yeah, it seemed to me that a lot of our basic skills were just missing yesterday. Uh, yeah, I I thought so too. I thought 
it's it's not a lack of basic skills. It it's poor execution of the skills. All those players, I think, can execute the basic skills, but it was poor execution and just concentration wasn't there. I thought mm. disappointing because we beat ourselves with silly mistakes. Tyrone not up to much overall. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think he's right, and that's back to that skill execution. And and there was there was a lot of fundamental errors in the game from from Calvin players and. Um, you know, both both attacking and defensively, that particularly when you watch back on the game, there there, there wasn't the same zip that we'd seen last year. Now, again, this will be brought into the argument that last year's championship suited Cavan because it was a slower pace and more physically strong um, Cavan side. And, and I think there is something in that as well. I think we need to bring more pace to how we play the game. Um, if we're going to win in summer. So it's it's something we've got to we've got to work on a little bit and, and, and improve on. So but uh yeah definitely the, the skill execution has to be better. Uh despite the score that Toronto team are not great and we're there for the taking. I'd agree with that. Now I know they have to bring the few lads to come back, but I agree with that. They were definitely there for the taking. And I expect yeah. Donegal to beat them this again. <coughs> Even though Donegal laboured for a long time, but I expect them to beat them. Uh, no game plan. Our strength and conditioning coach has to be questioned too. I, well, I, there was a game plan. It, it mightn't have been executed, but there's no way they went out with no game plan. The strength and conditioning coach has to be questioned. I presume um, the listener is talking about the Cavs' fitness on the day. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I did think I did think their own look fitter, but yeah. Show me a match where one team is seven or eight points up and doesn't look fitter. Uh, and that's, that's always the way. Like, and and that is the biggest point. Uh, look at, I and 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 I'd imagine, uh, no different than than the under twenties. Everybody needs questioning. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there's 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 no element of the Calvin performance that doesn't need questioning, and, and that's what a, a, an end of season review will do. Is that all of these questions will be asked and people will be open and honest about it but sometimes when you're when you're winning like last year we were lauding how fit and how strong Cavan were finishing games compared to the opposition and you know it, it was it was all down to the strength and conditioning coach and you know part of that at that time Andre and he said it on this podcast was saying that you know the, the the momentum of the game can sometimes give that impression of fitness or or lack thereof and yeah. i think that 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 is definitely a part of it yeah i agree with that uh gutted strange lineup lads looked unfit and unmotivated pointless high balls in the corners to address that quickly it was it was it, it was a sort of strange lineup, but and as we said the last day, there was a, there was sort of risks being taken all over the field, and you could see some of them, some of them paid off, some of them didn't pay off. But that was, mm. I think, that was because the management's hand was forced with injuries and unavailable players, really, and they had they felt they had to take those risks. Like I'm presuming Luke Fortune wasn't fit. It's the only explanation that I can. Yeah, because I, I think he's imagine. a I think he's a guaranteed starter when he's fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Completely good. And, and Connor Smith, I, I presume, wasn't fit to start. Well, there was talk of Connor Smith yeah. having an injury already. I hadn't heard about Luke having an injury, but I even would have played Luke a half forward ahead of Jason McLaughlin 
Mm-hmm. He's uh, played he, there. He won a Sigerson there, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, un, I, unmotivated. Yeah, I, I thought, I wouldn't say unmotivated because there was definitely a high level of motivation early on, but I thought Cavan just accepted a little bit easily. Like the Tyrone goal. Um, yeah. I watched again last night that goal. It was an awful goal to concede. It was terrible. Like, um, Gerald McCann didn't track Kennedy. Now, maybe Gerald was after making him up the field or something. He was gassed. He didn't track Kennedy. Um, they got inside far too easily. Raymond will be disappointed to be beaten at his near post. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Raymond's great in that situation. And Martin Riley, like, you could see that he'd probably run the length of the field to get back and cover. Uh, but when he watches the back, he'd probably be disappointed that he wouldn't manage to keep it out as well. He seemed to kind of kind of stumble uh, and like the ball just trickled over the line. But it was an awful goal to concede. And I thought that was kind of like, you know, you can't let a lad run through the, like that the way Kennedy did from from midfield and play a couple of one-twos and, and finish a goal. I thought that kind of summed it up. But Yeah, I, I, I thought the, the most notable part of that for me was that Garrod was was chasing Kennedy. And then at the point when Kennedy accelerated and broke the line, Garrod slowed up. You know, it, it wasn't... I, t- I think it was that he didn't think that Kennedy was going to get in, but you've got to track that run. Like, that's yeah. just not good enough for a player of Grode's quality. And I, th- I thought Grode McCarron was Cavan's best player on the day as well. I thought he played well, uh, but that yeah. was that was very disappointing. But look, who knows? The motivation what... end of it, I, th- I think, again, you know, you, you imagine the situation that within that group, all those players knew who were injured, who was available, who was fully fit. And maybe there was a lack of belief that the players that themselves going out weren't going to be good enough to do it. And therefore, right, okay, you can get yourself up and you can stay in a game until a big moment. And in that big moment, your belief and your 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 steel is tested. And maybe the lads at that point went, oh, look, at in the heart of hearts, we knew we weren't going to win this. And there's a big sigh of, oh, look, this is inevitable. And it kind of looked like that from Calvin. It did, it did, and that was a, that was a disappointing thing. But look, we're not going to piss all over those players. Uh, oh. They're like no they, they gave us an awful lot last winter, and they the most of them have soldiered for a long time. They were in a difficult position there, going up to Oma. Um, I expected them to win, and I, I think that kind of spoke to, and so did you, and that kind of spoke to you know the high regard that we held that group in. But they just they they didn't have that bit of belief as you call it or a bit of what I don't know what it is but the that little bit of drive and defiance just wasn't in them uh, I think and like even for that goal again like like Jerry Smith was sort of on the scene as well but that comes from not probably playing in six months like if that had been last winter you'd have seen Cavan getting back there and just throwing bodies and you name it putting their head in there you know I don't think that goal would have gone in but probably maybe just I don't know what it was, a lack of condition in some players due to injuries and different things, and, and that was just it. But uh, yeah. there's, there's absolutely no way, but just to, to, to reiterate, there's there's nothing but admiration for these Cavan players and, and yeah, and, and no different no different than the under twenties. Critiquing performance is different than giving abuse and mm. and you know that's that's a hundred percent fair in my opinion. You know, yeah, you, yeah. we all have to analyze games, and that's that's what we love to do. And and the players themselves, I have no doubt, are aware of everything that we're talking about here. It's not as if we're we're, we're breaking a glass ceiling over their head. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Like it's just it's just one of those 
games that you can just want to get over and over and forget about. Uh, yeah, to run through the last few quickly, Damien. An absolute nightmare of a season. Beaten fair and square. I agree with both those points. McNamee, an embarrassment for Tyrone. Uh, I don't know what he means. Maybe he's talking about his tattoos. I don't know what he means that McNamee's an embarrassment. I thought, uh, I think he'll get, he'll get his red card turned over. I still, I still, what, what really annoys me here is the Sunday game, the Sunday game um, analysis on this one, uh, Tomas O'Shea saying that it's not a red card. What he, what he essentially is saying is open your hand out at any point and you can hit them in the face. Well, see, that's, I think technically, technically he's probably right, Damien, because you remember James Smith got his red card against Fermanagh turned over. Mm. And that, why it was turned over was there's a distinction between a push and a strike. Uh, you know, if you if you push open the door, you're not strike. You're not. It's not a striking motion, and it's that's basically the same motion there. So, rightly yeah. or wrongly, that that is the how how they decided in the committee room. It it appears to be, and 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 if that is the case, then they're going to they're going to say that this is this is overturned. But what you're going to see then is an absolute landslide of. Lads just putting the palm of their hand, even at the butt. Like I can push you in the face right up underneath your nose with the butt of the palm of my hand and cause impact. And, yeah. and, and it can be hurtful and it can it could blur your vision. There's watch it. If these get overturned, watch this space mm-hmm. because every every county manager will then be going, listen, this is what you do. You put your hand open and push it into his face, you know, and, and that's going to be that's going to be the um, the, the 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 I suppose retaliation of choice by players yeah. going forward, and I think it's I think it's something where either rule change will have to happen, or or referees will have to deem it, and and, and the CCC will have to back it. Like we'd have to I, we'd have to um, we'd have to keep an eye on that one. Up to now, the, the sort of grey area was where you had a whole of a player's jersey around the around the front of his collar, and as you held it. You obviously had your fist closed because you've got you've got a fist full of his jersey and you 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 swung the push fist up. that way. Yeah, and like, I, you know players get away with that all the time. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't like to get it from some of these county players. I wouldn't like to get one of these punches, even if they only have six inches to, of a drawback on it. And on top of that, so you have a hold of my jersey, and I'm I'm desperately trying to release your hand and I'm striking down onto your hand. Is that striking or is that pushing? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, I think we're in, we're in, we're in dangerous territory here. Um, if Ronan, like Ronan McNamee, I could understand the first one, but the second time there was absolutely no need for him to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, quickly to run through these last few because we run out of time. M- missed one two in the first half, and as soon as they went three up, the game was easy for them. Worst year ever. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I, I wouldn't say. I'd say once they got four up, uh, and then came out and got the first point of the second half, I thought from then on it, it was easy for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, time for change. Division four, at least two years not being eligible for Sam. Good chance for a fresh approach. Some things do need to change, but I don't think when you hear change like that, you think the manager. I think he's got a four-year term, and he he deserves it to to if he wants to, he deserves to keep going. I, I think it would be bad. Cavan, I remember once interviewing a Cavan player in the seventies, and he said, "Here's what happens in Cavan," and it was it was such an eye opener for me. He said, "We get a manager in, he brings in his own backroom and his own ideas, 
And he said he clears out all the older fellas. He said, no, they're no good. They're, they haven't achieved. They've been there a while. They haven't achieved. Clears them all out. He brings in a load of young lads and he says, it's going to take time. And he, he gets maybe two years at it and results go, to, go badly. There's an, out, there's an outcry and we get rid of him. We say, no, they're no good and he's no good. Get him out. Bring in a new manager. What does he say? Oh, we're going to have to do a bit of a clear out and this is going to take time. And your man, he, this person actually pointed out to me and said, this has been going on since the 1970s in Cavan. Yeah. Almost without exception. We've had a couple of, we've had promising teams and some teams that delivered on it. But almost without exception, that's what we've done in Cavan. We've hit the, we've hit the panic button uh, when, when we've hit a sticky period. And we can't do that. No, we've got to persist. We've got to persist with Oshin Pearson, Oshin Brady, um, you know, Cormac O'Reilly, Cuevin O'Reilly, lads like this that are, are under 23, 24 years of age, persist with them and make them the best forwards that we can possibly make them. But in the background, constantly be working on a development panel where we're, we're, we're trying to improve our forwards as well. And, and on top of that, every other position in the field, you know, we have to prepare for the day that Park Faulkner is going or, or Kieran Brady is gone or Gerald McKeown is gone in the middle of the field. We need to have a plan in place to prepare for when these changes happen and, and that we get better um, as we go forward. But Yeah, well, we, we have to remember, we have a great crop of players there at the minute. Yes, we're short on a probably one outstanding forward, but or maybe two, but we have a great crop of players. And it's, it's as good a crop of players as Cavan have had uh, in, 20 in decades. Years. Yeah, like, and going back through the decades, we rarely have had a crop of players like this. So we have to, we have to, Remember that now is the time to achieve success. Like I, I heard a great interview by Marie Crow with Park Harrington on RT there recently, when Harrington was saying that he spent a lot of time in his career playing for next week. He said he'd be he'd, he'd be in contention or he'd be you know well up the leaderboard, but he'd be trying out new things and he's playing, thinking right. I'm you know I could go with my usual swing here or I could keep doing what I normally do and I could actually win this tournament. But it, he was trying to bed in something that might win him two tournaments down the line and he said in hindsight you know he, he left wins behind him doing that and we can't fall into that trap of of always looking ahead like we need to be planning like you're not going to have you touched on it there you're not going to have Park Faulkner forever or you're not going to have Jerry Smith or Kieran Brady or these these class footballers so you know we need to be winning now but Mickey Graham made a good point he says unearth new one of the things he wants to do is unearth new talent and that's that's an interesting choice of words because he's not saying we need to bring in, you know, bring in players who are out there and don't want to play with the county or whatever. He's talking about unearthing new talent, players that aren't really on the radar as potential county players, essentially. And I think that's important because I think there's there's really nobody out there, very few. We we talked about Niall McDermott before and he, he didn't get a look in, but there's not many out there that are going to come in and improve that team. The standard of county football is so high, um, there aren't that many. And we've for years in Kevin, we were always looking at ah yeah, our county team didn't do well, but we're better than that because we've got X, Y, and Z in the in the county, but aren't interested in playing with, with the county. I don't think that's the case at the minute. I think most of the best most of ninety percent of the best players in Cavan are playing. Obviously, Darren mm. McFeedy is not not there at the minute, but he gave he gave a, a very good interview with Bods.ie. And it was kind of mixed messages in it. In it, he he, he indicated that he'd definitely be back to play with Cavan, but then towards the end of the article, he kind of said uh, you know he's happy where he is for now, so I I'd, I'd love to see Darby Feedy back with Cavan for next year, because if he doesn't come back for next year, 
I think he'd be he'd be going on thirty the following year. And I, yeah, like, I don't think I I I and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I don't think you can go away for three years away from that environment and just come back in and pick up where you left mm. off. It's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. So um, I, I don't think if we, if we don't see Darren McVitie next year, we may see him again in a, in a Cavan jersey, but I don't think we'll see the best of Darren McVitie. I, I'd agree with that because it's it's hard. Like, if we take that, no matter how good a shape or whatever you, you keep yourself in, that's going to be difficult. Like, and if you look at Conor Miner, now that's a different thing, I know, because he didn't get a full pre-season or anything like that, but like, you know, he, he obviously had really impressed in challenge games there in a starting place there, but, you know, it's it's a major, major shock to the system. The last mm-hmm. couple of points here, one fella says, an extremely jumped up gang of young men. I think that is just bollocks, that. And I think anyone who's sending in that sort of thing anonymously that's just keyboard warrior stuff there now it's it's wrong it's absolutely wrong there's nothing jumped up about those players they they're dedicated they're hard work and they're honest they're 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 a pleasure to deal with they're i i i couldn't disagree with that that comment more these lads deserve admiration and while we can critique football i'll never question their character and and their desire to play for calvin yeah last comment very poor, but injuries, lack of game time this year, etc., was evident. Will be better next year. I think that's a good note to finish on, Damien. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and that's that's uh, that is the point. And 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 the uh, the funny thing was after the game, Mickey Graham, after doing the, the interview with, with Mickey Brennan, turned and kind of said those exact words to me, knowing how I was feeling from the night before, and and it was something that obviously I really appreciated. But it's. Uh, it's it's one of those things you take the feet and Mickey Graham more than anybody and those players as well, they'll hurt, they'll winter, they'll they'll work harder, they'll focus on the areas they need to improve on, and they'll all come back better. I've absolutely no doubt about it that that twenty twenty one will be a distant memory by the time the spring of twenty twenty two comes round, and hopefully those Calvin boys are are on the steps in Crow Park lifting a a league title and pushing on into a championship. Please God demo. Okay, just to remind everybody again over in the diehard service, we'll be we already looked back over the Cavan Tyrone game and heard from the Cavan manager Mickey Graham. We'll be looking ahead to the All County Football League weekend's action. We'll be looking back over Cavan against Down in the under twenties game, and we'll be joined by Aideen Coyle to look over all things ladies as they were beaten by Mayo at the weekend and look forward to our mad this coming weekend. So thanks a million for joining us on the podcast and thanks to Paul's dog for staying quiet. Yeah, she's just sticking her head into the camera shot here. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed the week, folks. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great stuff. And Larry has put it over the bar. It was hard, fast football after that. You're in Gavin, Was there a feeling that that might have been a chance for Kevin to get come back into the big time? And then the cave, and it's over the lap. And Kevin are not buried yet. Have them doing all they could to hold their lead. Derek McDonough, what a goal! Oh, yes! And over the bar, Vincent Cahill, what a day he is having! Oh, this is brilliant by Calvin! Dandy-legged farmers walking the roads near Virginia. Hurrah, yeah, hurrah, yeah!